Happy to be here and greet you with the warmest of Christian love in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who suffered for us the innocent, for we guilty, and one time being alienated from God, now has brought us nigh unto him by the shedding of his blood that we are called sons and daughters of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be in the final end, but we'll know we'll have a body like his, for we shall see him as he is. That's worth it all, isn't it? That's right. Well, last evening I was thrilled to my heart was almost standing still when I looked and seen that tent full of people seeking God. That was a greater thrill to me than anything I've seen in a long time. It's the first time I've made an altar call, I guess, since I left Africa. One, the altar call there consists of 30,000 got saved at one time. And then when they had seen the glory of our Lord, and that was the, about the second altar call of that type that I've had since I, I left Africa. I remember we was standing in Durban, and there was about some hundred thousand close to it uh, gathered in. We couldn't see what was down the streets for three or four city blocks. And... So there were many doctors and people sitting around and up on a platform built out. It was a racetrack in this, but it was much larger than Churchill Downs. Durban has the second largest in the world. London, England has the first, the largest racetrack, then Durban, South Africa. I think Churchill Downs ranks fourth or third or fourth, fifth, somewhere along there. So the place was just jammed with people all out across the track this way and, all, and the stand was built way out in the field. And for three city blocks down every, every aisle, they were sitting in the streets for three city blocks. They couldn't get the people in. And many of them packing little mud idols and claimed to be Christians, going along. But when that afternoon, the mayor of the city brought me out, and I was uh, talking to a man, a colored man there. He was just, I said, why are they packing them, them tags? So that means they're Christians. I said, well, there's the man packing an idol, and still he's a Christian. He said, oh, yes. I said, would you like to talk to him? He said, he's a Zulu. I can talk to him. I said, all right. Now, if we pull the car in, he said, just call him John or anything you want to call him. He'll, he'll answer you. So, and I called a name. Well, then he answered through the interpreter, of course. And I said, are you a Christian? Oh, yes. He was a Christian. And I said, well, why the idol had blood sprinkled all over a little mud figure? Oh, they had all kind of freakish-looking things. And I said, well, what's the, the, what about the idols? Well, that's God, too. I said, God, too? There's only one God. And he said, well, that was God. He said, his father packed it. And I said, well, what uh, what's your father pack it for? He said, well, one day the lion got at him, and, <clears throat> and he built up a little fire and said a prayer, and the lion went away. So it was a God of power. So he packed it, too. If the Christian God failed, then he'd go to that one. Not very much Christianity there, you see. So then I said, uh, well, there's nothing in that idol. But that day, the first one on the platform, I'll never forget, they couldn't give out prayer cards. We just had the missionaries to go out and get uh, so many out of each group and bring them to the platform. And there was, uh, remember, the first woman passed across to what they told me in the tapes reading and back. There was a woman who had, had a, a female disorder, and she was a Mohammedan. She had a red dot between her eyes. There's some 20 or 30,000 of those over, way over to my left, be in that direction. And um, very staunch Mohammedans, 
Hotma Gandhi's boy was there. And so uh, it, uh, they have a red dot. The priest puts it between their eyes, and that means that they deny the existence that Jesus was the Son of God. They believe in God, Jehovah God, but they believe Muhammad was his prophet, you see, and not Jesus. said Jesus is a good man, but he, he wasn't the, the real prophet that, that the Muhammad was. And in Jerusalem, they got a wall built, and on one end, they got a little bitty tower. That's, uh, that's where Jesus will come to. They got a great big tower. That's where Mohammeds are coming. You talk about superstitions. This world certainly has got them. Then when, when this woman come up, why they had talked to an interpreter, and they said, asked for, I asked her if she believed. She said yes. So I told her about what was her trouble. She looked at me and she said, "That's right." See, through the interpreter, of course. And I said. Your husband is with you when he went to the doctor. She said, yes. I said, he's wearing a gray suit, wasn't he? Doesn't he have a mustache? She said, yes, that was right. See? And um, so I said, why did you come to me? And why didn't you go to the priest at the temple? She said, she believed. And I said, well, you believe in, um, in uh, Christ? And she said, Christianer. And I said, not Christianer, Christ. Christianers are incarnated God. I said, not Christianer, Christ. And um, she, uh, she said, uh, I said, well, now, do you believe me to be the, his servant? Yes. I said, then, if I be his servant, I speak of Jesus Christ. I said, will you accept him as your Savior? She said, yes, she would. And then we prayed for her. And the next one come was a woman with a very odd thing. The woman didn't have hardly, I forget, just a little something that didn't mount much. But when the woman was standing there, it began to get real dark around her. And I watched it. It faded out. And I seen him packing her away. Now, many times I see death as a person. But I won't say nothing about it. I just say, the Lord bless you. Pray for him. Send him on away. See? Because prayer could change that. See? Hezekiah did in his case, didn't it? It changed it. So I won't tell them unless I see that it's already, this woman has been packed to the grave. And I said, told her what her trouble was, and she said, that's right. And she was a, an Afrikaans woman, which a, an African, we usually think, we think of Afrikaans, he's a, he's a black man, but an Afrikaans is a white man. An African is a black man called Kaffir. But <clears throat> this, this woman, when she came and was telling her what her trouble was, very minor, I said, Lady, you prepare for death because you're not going to live but just a little bit. In less than 20 minutes, she was a corpse. Walked right off the platform and sat down, began to say, Well, I, she was talking to her husband and them out there, and said, I can't understand it. I've never had no sickness, just uh, maybe a little cyst or something. And, and a few minutes, she was standing there laughing about something, and just right over she went. And that was it. She died right there. And see, you, now if I'd been a healer, how to heal her. See, I'm not the healer. God is the healer. And so I could only say what he told me. And then the next coming through was a little black boy. Now, some of you little children here, when you go out here to this fountain and drink and the many things you have, you know how little African boys have to drink? They lay you right down and drink anywhere they can find some water, no matter if it's muddy or what it is. They have to drink it anyhow. They haven't got any more. And when they eat, they just find whatever they can find. They have to eat that because, well... They haven't got nothing else to eat. And these little fellows, when they, they have a cow, and they take a porcupine quill 
and stick it in his throat during the jugger vein and drain, drain what they call a, a gourd, but it isn't. It's made out of animal skins, a little sack about like that. And they um, drain a half full of blood and then milk the rest of it with milk and put a stick and churn it up and down like that, and it makes a cake like a, like a lollipop. That's what they have. And this little fellow that had his diet, and they wear no clothes, just a little bit of beads. And so his little tummy here was just as bloody as it could be from where he'd eat his, his meal. And the poor little fellow was cross-eyed, and he was standing there, and I said, Now, of course, anyone knows I couldn't heal a child. I said, You can see it's cross-eyed. But I said, God is the only one who could heal it. I said, I couldn't have nothing to do with it. Now I said, as far as its little life, how what happened or what's, if there's anything in the way, God would perhaps show that to me. But I said, now to heal it, I can't because I'm just a man. And I guess there's 20 doctors or more sitting on a platform, the, the medical association to give me the right hand of fellowship right down through Africa. I said, that's truly divine healing. And um, so um, we had that all in papers. If anybody, any doctor happened to be present, like to look it over, well, that's perfectly all right. See, we'd be glad to let you see it. And um, so um, they, uh, this little lad was standing there, and while I was looking at him, I said, "Why?" Well, I see. I said, "The boy was born that way." I said, "He come that way." And so, and a Zula interpreter. They had fifteen different interpreters there for fifteen different tribes of people. So they, the Zula interpreter gave that and. The mother raised up, but that was the true setting is placed out on the, the plane there. So that was right. She raised up her hand. And then um, while I was looking at the little fellow, I looked right back at him again. He was out of a Christian family. I looked back, and his little eyes as straight as mine or yours. So I said, well, of course, anyone knows he's already healed. He's standing by far as that chair from me. I said, he's healed. There's his eyes. You're looking at him. So I said, pass on, little lad. And the interpreter said, pass on. Now, I heard an argument over here on my side, and I wondered what it was. And I was looking at someone else that was fixing to pray for them. And so they uh, happened to hear it. Uh, there was a doctor trying to get over to where I was at. And so Mr. Baxter told him, said, no, you can't do that. And uh, Mr. Boswell was trying to get him away, and so they, he just kept on he wanted to come anyhow. And so I turned around and said, what's the matter, doctor? He said, what did you do to that boy? Reverend Branham, did you hypnotize that child? I said, certainly not. Certainly, I couldn't hypnotize him. Uh, he said, well, I said, if hypnotism will make his eyes straight, I said, you mean to tell me they give you a uh, license to practice medicine and, and don't know where I hypnotism in that? I said, well, if hypnotism is straight in a child's eye, you better start practicing hypnotism, see? I said, it wasn't hypnotism. Is the power of God. And they have beautiful big lilies up in the part of the country where we were at. They had a bunch of them sitting on the platform. I said, they, he said, now I know God's in those lilies, but that's true. But said, now, uh, God being out here visible to make that child's eye straight, I can't see that. I said, well, now the only thing you've got to do is you can either take what I said, the boy's eyes, he said, well, I'll let him through the gate. I said, then you know his eyes are crossed. He said, sure, then you're looking at him. And I said, well, now his eyes are straight. He said, yeah. I said, Jesus Christ, I said, did it. So now I saw him. Just so he said, just a moment. And they started to pull him back, Mr. Bosworth. And he said, just a moment. And he walked to the microphone said, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, too. And then a little while later, God gave a great miracle of a crippled man 
And that's when the miracle of God was performed, when that one day 30,000 souls come to Christ. Now, we have, this is Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, four nights yet, and Sunday afternoon service. I certainly appreciate you people of coming out here on these cool nights and, and a nice little audience for this city here, way out away from other cities and things. You have to drive, and this is two weeks. You don't know how I appreciate it and how that you've been a great inspiration to me. I mean that from my heart. Last night, God began to speak to me about something after I left here. Now, I don't mean to say that now like that he come down in a vision. I'm very particular about that. And then this morning again, it came to me again. Brother Beeler, tomorrow night, if possible, I'll buy you a spool. <laughs> I won't want to say tomorrow night on a recording so I can sense the voice of healing in every one of the religious papers. I want this article published, what I want to say tomorrow night, if you'll do that for me. It's something that I, I've been wanting. It's been coming to my heart for some time. I, I want to get it to you tomorrow night if, concerning divine healing, if God willing. Tonight, I promise you I was going to talk about uh, a gospel subject. And uh, see, divine healing is, that's the bait that's on the hook, as I said the other night. You don't never show the fishy the, the hook, you show him the bait. <laughs> and then, so we, that's what divine healing, Jesus Christ, about 80% of his ministry was on divine healing. But in there, they watched and seen that he, what he'd done was, was of God, and then he told them the truth, and that's what won them to God. That's what is the ministry's for. That's what God intends it to be for. And now, tonight, now don't forget, tomorrow night, I've got a, a special talk. I want to say maybe just previous, uh, prior to my sermon, rather. And then uh, I promised every one of you here that come that we was going to pray for everybody here if we possibly could. And God being my helper, I'm going to stick to that. God, I want to pray for every sick person that comes to be prayed for. I'll do my best to pray for every one of them. So, uh, before I leave the city, and I couldn't ask for no more time, the mayor of this city and the board and so forth has been very nice to us. We appreciate them and the businessmen and everyone of the city, all the officials, to let us have this place. And we're, we're grateful to those men. And I pray that God will bless them in every way. Bless the little city in every way that it can be. And may you grow and prosper. And God be with you in everything you do. I just trust that you'll have an old-fashioned revival that every sinner in the city will become a Christian. Uh, is my prayer. Let him belong to whatever church he desires to. That's his business. But I hope that every person comes to church and does what's right. That's the... If you like to read it with me, or well, I'd be glad for you to do it. And now, said, Let not your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house is many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Where I am, there you may be also. 
and where I go you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not where thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you know me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Now, may the Lord add his blessings as we pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank thee tonight for the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, that cleanses us from all sin. And knowing as we bow our heads to the dust from where we were taken, and knowing that someday we got to return back to that dust, the atoms that holds this body together will break some of these days through the corruption of the flesh. They'll be loose in this air where they was before they made up this body. But God, you know wherever one of them will be. But to every man that's born to the Spirit of God has everlasting life and shall never come into condemnation, but it's passed from death unto life. And we thank Thee for these things. Lord, our hearts tonight as we look out across the world and see the great signs of the Scriptures being fulfilled and see the world as it was staggering in with a headache band around it, wondering what next. Great atomic weapons and hydrogen bombs and everything in the hands of sinful man. For one relay of that could blow the whole earth to, to bits. And knowing this, that the Bible has spoke so definitely of the last days, how these things would be. Looking around at the nature of the people, seeing that we're in the spirit of the last days. They had to get in the spirit of the Andalusian world before they could be destroyed. They have to be in the spirit of war before they can have war. God, let us be in the spirit of Christ tonight so we can have Christ. Let us be in the spirit of repentance, the spirit of faith. Give it to us tonight, our Father, these great treasures of life. They're so freely just by asking, realizing that the greatest things of life and the only real lasting things are the unseen. And may thy Spirit come tonight and fill every heart. Reclaim every backslider and save every sinner. And may the, those who are seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit may come tonight and fill every heart. May the sick be healed. God receive glory. For we ask it in the name of His beloved Son, Jesus our Lord. Amen. For our subject, I want to use this. Show us the Father and it will satisfy us. The word suffices means to satisfy. Now, that's been the hungry call of the people for, for ages to see God. How many of you here tonight would really like to see God? I'd just like to see your hands. Would you like to see Him? Well, if by God's Word and by God's help I can bring God right in this meeting that you can see Him, will you accept Him? That's what I want to ask you. If you well, there's a third of you would accept Him anyhow. <laughs> the rest of them wouldn't if you seen it. <laughs> I was just going for you raising your hands. I don't believe you meant that. But now, God is just as real as, as the light is, is here in this room. Now, we want to look at God tonight and see if we can see God. Now, 
Thomas wanted to see him here, or Philip, rather. He said, Lord, show us the Father, and it'll satisfy us. If you'll show me God, it'll satisfy me. Well, now, that ought to be a satisfaction for anyone. If, they, if God is so great, let's see him. Let's see what he looks like. And that that is satisfying me. If I can see who he is and see what he looks like, I know who to worship and what he is. That sounds sensible and reasonable, doesn't it? Now, let's just see if we can find God tonight in, in our midst now. Let's take of God in, in about three or four different ways and see if we can find him. Let's speak of God first in his universe. Let's speak of God in his word, God in his son, and then God in his people and see if we can find him here tonight. Now, I'm going to take those four subjects there and try to talk on them just for a few moments to see if we can see the Father. Every man, since the dawn of time, has longed to see God, wanted to look at Him. Job one time said, Oh, if I only knew where He was. In other words, if I knew where to go and knock on His door, and He'd open up the door and I'd come in and sit down and talk with Him. That's the way people want to see God. And yet God was so close to Job till he was speaking to him. And a little later he said, Now gird up your loins. I'm going to speak to you like a man. And God came down in a whirlwind and began to speak to Job. And Job began to see the uh, flowers and nature. I want to speak on his universe first because that was my first Bible. My people wasn't religious. And I, my first Bible was the universe, watching God. I don't believe there's any man that's got his right mind, or a woman, that could look in the face of a flower and say there is no such a thing as God. I believe it would show a mental deficiency on the part of the person that could look at a big, beautiful cow lily and say there's no such a thing as God. While all the science we got in the world can't even make one little blade of grass. That's right. They can make something that looks like it, but they can't make the grass because it's got life in it. See? Just how, how great God is and how people look way over the top. I think if you'll listen to this closely tonight now, we'll get our minds right down. Divine healing will be so simple for you after you see where God is and who He is. Now, Job, he watched the flowers and he seen how they would die and raise again and then they would uh, die and raise again. And he began in the 14th chapter of Job, he said... But if when a man dies, he giveth up the ghost, yea, wastes away, and his sons come to mourn his death, and where is he? He's gone. No one. He doesn't rise again. But he said, now you take the little flower on it. Here are you women around here with your flower beds. They're beautiful. I admire them as I go through the streets and look at them. At a motel where I've been staying out here, the uh, beautiful flower garden. And now, if you'll notice... This fall, some of them will be young, some will be old flowers, but when frost strikes it, it's death. That's all. Whether they're young or old, and that's the way death is to the human race. It strikes young and old just alike. No matter who you are, when death strikes, it's going to take you where you're an infant or where you're just in the adolescent age, the bloom of life, or whether you're old or whatever it is, death, no respect of person. It comes to all. Well, when death strikes a little flower... You notice it bows its little head, just as reverent. The petals drop off, and the leaves drop off, and a little black seed falls out. Then they have a funeral procession. The rains come and cry down in the fall of the year and bear the little fellow. And then the first thing you know, the freeze comes, 
Maybe the little seeds laying about that deep under the ground where the falls rains, buried it. And then after a while, the, sea, the real cold spell comes and it freezes. Then the little old seed freezes. The pup burst, runs out of it. The seed bursts open. The pup runs out. And then the winter continues on through the blizzards and the blizzard after blizzard. Then after a while along, about February, last of February, first of March, the stalk's gone, the bulb's gone, the seed's gone, the pup's gone, the petal's gone, the flower's gone. Everything there is is gone. Is that the end of that flower? No, sir. Just let that sun begin to warm that earth again, and that flower will live again. Why? There's a germ of life in that flower that no man can find or no winter can freeze out. God has made it in his own uh, way, and that little germ of life is preserved in that ground, and that flower will live again. Well, if God made a way for a flower to live again, what about a man who's made in his image? There's a way somewhere for that uh, to live again. Here not long ago, I was sitting with old Dr. Spurgeon, an old Methodist minister. Now, he's a real good old brother. We were sitting eating some ice cream together. The agriculture hour has come. A little 4-H club now has, has got a, um, a little machine that turns out corn. The agriculture hour, they had it. And that little old, many farmers are sitting here probably know of it. And that machine will run out a grain of corn so perfect that you can take a handful out of the sack that was run out of the machine and a handful out of the sack that was grown in the field and mix them together. You couldn't tell them apart if you had to. And this over here at the machine run will make just as good a corn meal as this one will. It'll make the same kind of corn flakes. You take and cut it open and put them in the laboratory, perhaps the skin or will look that thick under the microscope. The heart's in the right place. Put it under the analysis and it'll be the same amount of potash, the same amount of calcium, the same amount of moisture, just exactly the same. There's no way in the world of telling it. Only one way. Bury them. The one that man made just rots away and that's all of it. The one that God made's got a germ of life in it and it reproduces itself again. Listen, a man can stand both of them going to church and both of them professing Christianity, but except this man's born again of the Spirit of God, it's finished. That's all there is to it. And there's a germ of life that comes into a man that he lives again because God has germatized his spirit by Jesus Christ, the resurrected Son of God. Amen. Certainly. Watch God in any way you want to. Job began to wonder why that man laid down. And it didn't rise up. He didn't see him come up in the spring. But he seen the flower come up in the spring. Well, then when Elihu came to him and began to speak to him, he said, Now look, Job, you're accusing God wrong. He said, Now look, that flower... That flower has not sinned. It stands right in the way that God made it. And it reproduces itself right back from death to resurrection, death to resurrection. All right. He said now, but man sinned. And that separated him from God in resurrection. So he said, but there's coming a just one. Amen. There's coming one who will stand in the breach for this sinner. That have put his hand on a sinful man, the holy God, and bridged the way. Oh my. Job noticed it. He was a prophet sitting on the ash heap. He got up, shook himself. He'd been scraping his boils. And he got up and shook himself, said, I know my Redeemer liveth. The lightnings begin to flash. The thunders begin to roar. The prophet got lined up with God. See? I know my Redeemer liveth, liveth his continuation. 
at the last days he'll stand upon the earth, and though the skin worms destroys this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself. Mine eyes shall behold and not another. I believe he did that at the resurrection. And at the resurrection, every person that's born to the Spirit of God will come forth in the resurrection. I believe that it'll be just as we are here. You'll be little man, big man, and, and red-headed and black-headed and whatever you are. Now, a lot of people think it's everybody will be this, look just the same. God's a God of variety. He has white flowers, blue flowers, red flowers, pink flowers, big trees, little trees, big mountains, little mountains, plains. He's a God of variety. And uh, the principle of Christianity is based upon resurrection, not reincarnation, resurrection. If this belongs right here, this slip, and I drop that down. Now, that doesn't mean take this and put it in its place. That isn't resurrection. No matter it looks just exactly like it, but that isn't it. Resurrection is to go down and get the same one and bring it up. The same Jesus that went into the grave, the same Jesus come out of the grave. That's right. It's a resurrection. God made angels. Mama used to tell me I'd be an angel when I died. I found out God never made me an angel. He made me a man, and I'll always be a man. I'll never be an angel. God made angels, and He made seraphims, and He made He made trees, He made man, and we're it's just resurrection. That's what it is, what Jesus Christ proved. Now to the Mohammed and their superstitions and whatever it is, yet God in His universe proves to us that the Christian religion is right because it's based on resurrection. Watch everything else, how it resurrects this whole creation. Now, look at God and see if we can look at Him. Here not long ago, a little boy was going to Sunday school down in our city and uh, to a very prominent church. And he, he heard so much about God, so he said to his mother, he said, Mother, I want to ask you something. She said, um, Could anybody see God? He said, He's so great, I, I'd like to know if somebody could see Him. Why, she said, Sonny, ask your Sunday school teacher. So they asked the Sunday school teacher, and he, she said, Well, I don't know. She said, You better ask the pastor. So the, um, the, uh, the pastor was coming home with him for lunch, and he said, Pastor, I want to ask you a question. said, Can uh, anyone see God? Oh, he said, No, of course not. Why, well, he said, No man can see God. He said, No one can see Him. Well, the little fellow was disappointed. And he used to stay down on the river. We lived near the Ohio River, and he used to go with an old fisherman up the river a piece towards the Six Mile Island, a fishing all the time. And one day, after a big rain along this time of year, he was coming, pulling down through the waters, you know, and any boatman knows how the music is to, after the rain is over and the little bitty waves on the water and let your oars clip across it as you're pulling your boat. He was clipping along like that. The old fisherman had a long white beard. He began to look over his shoulder. And where the sun come out, where the rain had been, made a rainbow. And he'd pull the oars on, you know, he'd turn around and look. The little fellow noticed tears dripping off his white beard as it dropped down. He'd pull a little farther. He looked back. And the oh, little boy got, he's sitting in the bow of the boat, so he run up in the, towards the stern of the boat. He said, Sir, I'm going to ask you a question that my mother can't answer, my Sunday school teacher, or my pastor. He said, God is so great. He said, Can anyone see him? And the old fisherman pulled his oars into his lap throwed his hands into his face like that and wept out, grabbed the little fellow and hugged him. He said, God bless your little heart, honey. All I've seen for the past 35 years has been God. There's so much God on the inside, you can see Him on the outside if He gets on the inside. The old fellow was just so full of God in here, everything he looked at, he's seen God in it. 
You got to get God in here in order to see God outside. You remember when he was first converted? Oh, how different things looked. The trees looked different and the birds had a sound like they ever had before. Is that right? God had just come in here. God's speaking out in his universe. How marvelous he is. How I, I love to watch him in his nature. God, how he, he provides things. Of all the years, sometimes I go up into the north woods to go hunting. And I notice up there on the lakes, these little ducks come up from down in the south and go up there and make their nest on this lake. And they, the little ducks are raised there. They're hatched out. Well, about long, about September, it gets cold. And the first breeze comes down across the mountain there and real cold breeze. Well, them little ducks now, he's never left this lake. It was born right there on this lake. And there's one of those little ducks in that group as a leader, a little drake. And when that wind begins to blow down across through there, that little fellow will run right out there in the middle of that lake, stick that little honker of his up in the air and honk four or five times, and every duck on the pond will come to him. And what he'll do? He's never been off that lake. He was born there in the spring. It's fall of the year. He'll raise right up off of that lake and go just as straight to Texas as he can go to the rice fields without a compass or anything. What is it? God working in his nature, working among his animals. If God give a duck enough sense to know how to get out of the cold weather, what ought to do to a man that's born again of the Spirit of God? Watch God among his ducks, among his, his, his animals. You take, for instance, like you little read in the newspaper and it says tomorrow it's going to be a, it's going to be a pretty day. And watch that old hall go south, go over on the other side of the hill on the north side, bring them shucks around on the south side and make her bed. Don't you pay attention to what that newspaper's talking about. That hog knows more about it than what the newspaper ever could know about it. It's going to get cold weather. You go hunt and watch those rabbits getting back under those shelters and things like that. Look out for rainy weather. See? God working in His nature. Don't you believe He does? Look at Him in His sunsets. You'll notice the sunset. You hear some time ago... I was up in Colorado. It was early in the fall and we were hunting. Oh, how I love to get into those mountains. My, after all those hard meetings, I go way back and get on a horse about 35 miles from civilization, way back across the Rocky Peaks by myself. Just take a couple of pack horses and take off. Get back there, not so much to hunt the animal, but to be alone with God, right out among His nature. That's where I see Him. And I remember that year... Specifically, it had been kind of a warm season. The snow hadn't come high yet to run the elk down. And I was way high, way up around almost in the shale rock. And I was walking along through the evergreens that day, and it, it'll storm a while, and then it'll snow a while, and then it'll, the sun will come out in the fall weather up high in the mountains. And come up a storm, a real severe storm, and I got in behind a tree, waiting there just a little bit. The storm blew over. And the first thing you know, the twister went through, and after the storm let up, I got out from behind the tree and I stood there, way back in the west. The sun was beginning to go across the crevices of the rock, peeping through that great all-seeing eye of God moving down like that. And I noticed where the evergreens and strolls, where the rain had been, it formed a rainbow across the valley. Brother, you talk about deep calling to the deep. I looked at that. I set my rifle against the tree. I raised up my hands. I said, Oh, great Jehovah, 
How wonderful! I've seen the rainbow. Could you see God in the rainbow? Certainly. God gave that as a covenant. He'd no more destroy the world with water. God was in the rainbow. Then I sit in Revelations 1, when the rainbow was across the throne where Jesus was standing, a covenant God had made with the people. He was to look upon a jasper and sardis stone, the first, the last, he that was, which is, and shall come, the root and offspring of David, the morning star, as a rainbow, seven church ages, the covenant made with his own blood that he had saved the people that would call on his name. Oh, how marvelous. I looked at that. Tears began to run down my cheeks. I listened way over here. The elk heard it all got scattered during the time of the storm. The old males would bugle, you know, and you could hear them bugling one to another. My mother's a half-breed, a half-Cherokee Indian, and there's just enough about me to make me love that nature. Something down in there calling out my conversion didn't even get to it. Look! Then an old gray wolf on the mountain began to howl, and its mate answered in the bottom, You talk about crime. Something took place. I couldn't hold myself still. It was God to me, screaming through his nature. Yes, I believe God is in his universe. I stood there, I run around and around and around the tree, screaming at the top of my voice. Somebody come by there thought they had a maniac out in the woods. I didn't care what they thought. I was having a good time. I was 35 miles from a living soul as far as I know, and I was praising God. I didn't care if it was anybody. I was praising Him. I wanted Him to know what I loved Him. Around and around and around the tree I went. I stopped and I'd shake my hands and scream and cry out and around and around and around the tree I'd go again. I was having a good time. Amen. I could see my Lord in His universe. I seen His rainbow. I seen His great sun under. I looked at Him. I heard Him scream over yonder the wolf. I heard Him answer down here. I heard the elk. I heard Him in there. God's everywhere. If you just look around, He's all over everywhere. I happened to hear a noise and I looked over there and this little old pine squirrel. I don't guess you people, unless you've been to the mountains, know what one is. They call them little mountain jacks. They're little bitty fellows about like that and the noisiest thing there is in the woods. Hollered everything. He's standing on an old stump. There's a blow down there. He's sitting up on an old stump going chatter, 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 chatter. I thought, well, what are you so excited about, little fella? I thought it's because I was screaming and carrying on. So I thought, I'm not going to hurt you. But I happened to notice coming out from under the, the, the blowdown, where the trees have blowed oh years ago, a blowdown, there's some stuff there. There'd been a great big American eagle had been forced down in the storm, and it was under that drift. That's what the little fellow was excited about. So the big eagle jumped out of there and he sat up on there and he looked at me. I admired him. Now I thought, God, why did you stop me over here to show me something here? I believe God's everywhere if you just look around him. I believe he's here right now. He's everywhere if you just look around him. God is in his universe. How could that world tip and turn and everything just exactly the way it does and revolve to the same time through the solar system? My, you couldn't, you couldn't believe that without believing in God. How great He is. Now, I wonder why God attracted my attention to that old eagle. I looked at him there. Well, I thought he's just an old scavenger. Why, do, why would I be attracted to him? But I noticed him one thing, his bravery. My. And I thought, well, that's what the little, uh, the little uh, squirrels are barking at, that eagle. Well, I looked at him. He'd look over that squirrel. Then he'd look over to me. He looked over at the squirrel and he looked over at me. I thought, well, are you scared? <laughs> and he got great big eyes flashed and looked at me. 
looked back to the squirrel, and I thought, well, God, one thing, I believe you're in that wolf call. I believe you're in the rainbow. I believe you're in these evergreens. I believe you're in this wind that's whistling through these trees. Now, where are you at in that eagle? But I noticed him. He was brave. That's where he was at. God don't like cowards. He wants man that's got backbone instead of a wishbone. Somebody who says God's word is right and God's true and let everything else be a lie. As Eddie Pruitt said, all hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. When all around my soul gives way, then he's all my hope and stay on Christ the solid rock I set all other grounds is sinking sand. That's right. God wants men and women who's got courage and courageous enough to stand out and call black, black, and white, white. That's right. Take that wishbone out and put a backbone in there. Something that God can move on. That's right. And I noticed that fellow, how he was standing there, how courageous, just as brave as he could be. I looked at him, I thought, well, now, he ain't scared of that, he's scared of me. So I thought, boy, I won't hurt you. I admire you. Anything with that courage, I admire him. I thought, I'll see if he's scared of me. And I, I said, say, you know, I could shoot you. He looked over at me. Lived to say, you think so? So I grabbed my rifle like that. He better than big eyes. He looked at me again. He just kept his eyes right on me. I wonder, why don't he, why don't he get away? Why don't he fly? Well, I kept wondering, what makes you so brave? And I happened to notice. I caught on. God showed me. Just keep looking at nature. You'll find him. Just keep looking around there at something. You'll see him. I noticed him. He kept going like this with his wings. He's restless, them wings. I thought, I see it, Lord. <laughs> God, you gave him two wings. God gave that eagle wings, and he had confidence in the gift of God that had been given to him. After a while, he got tired looking at me there, so he just made one great big jump like that, and he made about two flops, and he was out into that timber. He never moved his wings another time. He just set his wings into the wind like that, and he just began, every time a wave would come, he'd lift him up. Every time another wave would come, it would lift him up. He wasn't patter-patter here and patter-patter there. He just let the airwaves carry him on until he went from out of sight. I stood there and cried like a baby. I said, Oh, God, let me know how to set my wings in your faith and let the Holy Ghost waves carry me on, 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 on. Hallelujah. Yes, he left that little old earthbound chatter-chatter here and chatter-chatter there. If we just thought how to set our faith in God's power and move on out of here and let these people chatter-chatter saying days of miracles is past and no such a thing as divine healing, fly away from it. Hallelujah. Right away on every wave that comes, just move up. Raise up higher, higher. Just move out. God is in His universe. He certainly is. I watched Him until He got plumb out of sight. And I thought, oh, God... Uh, let's, it's good to be here. Let's build three tabernacles. Watching God in His universe. Watch Him among His nature. Seeing what He's doing. God's moving in His treetops. David said one time he was laying there, he was waiting, and he said he heard the wind going between the mulberry limbs, and he was ready to go on. I'll tell you, if there ever was a time we need a moving in nature and moving in man, it's the day. That's right. Noticing Him. How he, he, or one time here not long ago, I come home, I was so tired, I couldn't hardly stand up. I've been ministering and ministering to the people in Texas. I so wore out. I come out and sit on a little swing, was in the side yard. I happened to notice 
There were some old sand cranes going flying down like that going on into the river, down to the falls. They all gathered there at night. I was talking to my wife, and up come my piano player, Mrs. Gibbs. She come up, she looked at me sitting there, I was wore and lost about 15 pounds of weight. And she just started crying, put something on my lap, and I said, come on, Sister Gertie. She said, you, you look so bad, Brother Billy, and run out. I sat there, my wife and I tore it open, and there I looked, is the picture at a window where the sea was right level with the window. And there was a ship coming in, and the sun going down, and the star coming out. And there was a poem, Sunset and Evening Star, and one clear call for me. May there be no morning at the bar when I put out to sea. You know the poem. Just then, the old sand cranes went across, crawk into one another, all gathering together. God had fed them all day long, out in the crawfish and so forth around the ponds. There's gathering in down there at the falls that night together with their kindred to roost through the night. God had fed them all day long. They didn't neither sow, neither did they toil, but God had fed them. And when nighttime come, he had a place down on the rocks to provide for them. And then two of my favorite birds, which is robins. Don't you boys hurt my little robins around here. And they flew up. They fed their little ones all day long, sang a little song for me, went into the nest. I sat there, and my wife, which is present now, sat there, and the tears began to come down my face. She said, what's the matter with you, honey? I guess you're just so worried. I said, no, honey, I'm watching God. She said, watching God? I said, yes. Yes, hear him down there in the most sand cranes going down there? She said, no, I don't believe I do. I said, do you hear him in that robin a few minutes ago? I said, he's cared for him all day long. It's coming time now to go to bed, and he's made a place for him to roost all night long. They fed their little ones today. And some of these glorious days, when I too, the sunshine of my life, shall be setting in yours too. I believe God has a place set out down there somewhere. Hallelujah! Where we'll gather with His people. Don't you believe that? God will make a way of escape. Here some time ago, there was an infidel went across the country oh, 20 or 30 years ago. And he was tearing up churches, smart, intelligent man. And he was tearing up churches and saying there was no such a thing as God. He went to England. He was too smart for him here. And he took off to England, made converts there. His health broke down and he'd come back, went out west to rest up. One day he had made fun of the Bible when he talked about how the Andalusian destruction had cut the hills and so forth. He thought that was nonsense. So he took a little walk one day out along a path. He got to looking here and the winds coming out across the mountains and he looked at them big rocks hanging there. He said, Oh, Mr. Rock, he said, Really? Did you come the way I think you did? Or did someone, I don't know, put you there? Brother, I'm telling you, if preachers will hold their peace, the rocks will immediately cry out. That infidel fell on his face there and gave his heart to Christ. Why? The clergyman held their peace. But nature cried out in the midst of it all. God's in His universe. Why? He said, God is able these stones to bring children unto Abraham. God in His universe. How He moves amongst His fishes. How He moves amongst His trees, among His birds. How He moves in His sunset. How He moves in His sunrises. How He moves in all nature. You believe God is in His universe? Yes, sir. Then look out there at that tree. Look at anywhere you want to. There's God. 
Amen. You couldn't keep from believing for what God is in His universe. Certainly He is. Look at the world, how it folds around. Ever 24 hours it turns like this, and ever 365 days it goes around the equator. What in the world holds it up there? What is it? What keeps it there? Because God said so. He set the moon yonder and said, Moon, I want you to watch over. I've seen them big sea waves. When I've been out in them, they'd be almost high as this building here, beating against the ships and so forth. And I've seen them how angry they'd fly against that bank and say, I'll come on across. And remember, two-thirds of the world are better than water. How easy it could sweep over the land. But you know why it don't? God said, Moon, you watch it. I'll set its boundaries and it can't pass. Amen. God sets His boundaries. How do you know your boundary lines are set tonight to make your decision for Christ or turn Him away for your lifetime? There's a line drawn, a plumb line. God sets His boundaries. God is in His nature. God in His universe. Moving among His people. God moves out. We look at it and see and behold how great His handiwork is. What He does. How He works in His nature to bring mankind to Him. I've seen Him in tornadoes, seen Him in great things, how that God moved. Well, we all know now that God is in His nature. I have to hurry. I could put about an hour and a half on that. God in His universe. How great He is. Now let's take God in His Word. We all agree that God is in His universe. All right, let's put God in His Word. Is God in His Word? Yes, sir. God is in His Word. He will perform His Word every time, every place. Anyhow, He says it, He'll take care of His Word. Any man that's ever had any, made any showing at all in life <clears throat> has been man who has trusted God and took Him at His Word. Right. Man that doesn't take Him at His Word never amounts to a hill of beans. We've had a George Washington, a Abraham Lincoln, and whatever more, but the greatest man that the world has ever had has been those who put their simple faith in God. Come down to, if I could ask any man tonight, what do you think about God? If I could call the prophets up, the thing was asked one time, whose son is this? And the Greeks come, and Jesus asked them, He said, whose son is he? And one said one thing and one another. But God was in His Word, and He was in His Son, and He is in His people. Now, in His Word, every word of God is a seed. And every seed will produce just exactly what it is. You farmers know if you plant a grain of seed, if it's a wheat, it'll come up a wheat. Whatever it is. And every word of God, Jesus said, a sower went forth to sow seed. And the seed, God, Jesus said, was the word of God. Is that right? Yeah. Then the word of God will produce any divine promise in your made. If it'll fall in the right kind of a ground, it'll produce just exactly what it said it would. I want you to notice. I notice around here you have a lot of apple trees, apple growers, fruit. That's fine. Cherries and so forth. Did you know your little apple tree, when it was just about that big, it had every apple in it that you'll ever get off of it? When it's just about that high, it's maybe had maybe that apple tree will produce a hundred or two or three hundred bushel of apples. And there's two or three hundred bushel of apples in the tree when it's just about that big, a half inch high. Did you know that? Every leaf that'll ever be on the trees in it right then. Every apple, every blossom, everything that's on the tree will ever be on the trees in it right then. If it isn't, where does it come from? It's in the tree right then. Now the only thing you have to do is to plant the tree. 
And then what it has to do is to go to drawing. And it has to drink and drink and drink till it drinks more than its lauded part. It has to do, it has to drink till it gets to full. It pushes out. It pushes out leaves. It pushes out buds. It pushes out limbs. It pushes out apples. Now, that's the way we are when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit to you sick people now. You that are born again of the Spirit of God, when God planted you in Christ Jesus, which is the inexhaustible fountain of life, everything you have need of was put in you when you received the Holy Ghost for your life's journey. That's right. For your healing, for your salvation, for your joy, for your happiness. The only thing you have to do is push out, drink, drink, push, drink, push. Hallelujah. Everything's there. You just have to let it loose. Go to pushing. Go to drinking. Go to stirring. Go to reaching out. Deeper depths, higher heights. It's all there. You don't need some divine healer to come by to heal you. The divine healing has already been purchased at Calvary. The only thing you have to do, you're planted in Calvary in Christ. Drink from the fountain that never runs dry. Hallelujah! Oh my! I think of a no talk about drinking. I used to go into the mountains. I think about a spring I used to go to there, and how that spring was the happiest spring I ever seen. Why well, it was just a bubble, 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 bubble all the time. Every year when I went there, it was always bubbling. I sat down one day to talk to that spring. I said, Mr. Spring, what makes you so happy? Because deers drink for you? From you? He'd speak a talk. He'd say, why, no, Brother Brown. I'd say, maybe bears drink from you. What makes you so happy? That's what makes you bubbling. He'd say, no. I'd say, maybe I come here every year and you like me. And that's the reason what's making you bubble. Why, he'd say, no, it's not me bubbling. It's something behind me, bubbling me, pushing me. And that's the way it is with an old-time born-again Christian. It ain't him being so noisy. It's something behind him making him noise, bubbling him up, pushing him out, shoving him out, getting him into higher heights and deeper depths of Christ. Amen. That's right. It's not them. I know it's a nightingale. When he's set in a bush, there used to be one when I used to pastor down there at the Milltown Baptist Church. I'd come home and stay with Brother Wright down there, Brother Woods. And I'd, I'd come home at night, and that nightingale, I'd admire it. It would sit there every night and just sing to the top of its voice. And I thought, oh my, isn't that beautiful? Now around my place up there, they almost call it Nightingale Hill. There's so many nightingales. I like them. They just sing all night. And I wonder what makes them. I begin to read up on the nightingale. Well, the nightingale, no matter how dark the night is, you look around, and the clouds are going over, and when he can see one star... That's all he has to see. He'll look right straight to that star and sing to the top of his voice. I thought, oh, Lord, I, I see you there, too. <laughs> yes, sir. Why, why? As long as I can hear a good old amen or a hallelujah or a praise the Lord or a good shout, I tell you, the nightingale, the reason he sings that is because that it's the, the sun shining on the star. If I would say to that star, what makes you shine? He says, it's not me shining, Brother Branham. It's the sun shining on me. Well, that's what's the matter with an old time, what an old time Holy Ghost born again, old-fashioned camp meeting revival is. It's not them people excited. It's the power of God shining on them, shining out, giving light. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of nightingales in the Holy Ghost church and when they see the first ray of light, they ring out the praises of God. Hallelujah! He said, if they hold their peace, the rocks will cry out. Something has to take place. Let well, mighty Russian powers of God sweep over his audience of people. Hallelujah! Sure, God is in his word. 
God confirms His Word. God keeps His Word. Yes, sir. Little old David, I remember him keeping God's Word. Certainly, he was up there one day and he had had a battle. And the battle was going bad. So he, God had come to him with the prophet and anointed him and told him what he was going to be. So David was satisfied. The Word of God was on him. He goes up there and there come up. He went up to see his brothers, tuck them up some raisins and some fresh stuff to eat. And there's a big old giant on the other side of the hill by the name of Goliath. Oh my, what a horrible bolster he was. And he stood out there and he said, Say, any of you people over there that like to fight? He's just about five times the size of any of the rest of them. That's the way the devil does when he thinks he's got the edge on you. He'll sure blow like an old goose. And he said, Oh, some of you guys come out here and fight me. He said, I'll make you a proposition. Now, let, no, let's not cut up the whole armies. Let, let one of your men come over here and fight me. And if he whips me, well, we'll serve you. We Philistines. But if, uh, if I whip him, then, then you all serve me, serve this country. Oh, how the devil likes to do it like that, you know. When he thinks he's got the age. He said, well, where are you all at? And I mean, there's just like a little mouse on the other side. They were all quiet. Nobody had a word to say. God had a little old boy back there with a shepherd's coat on who knew God and knew God kept his word. That's right. You have to be up there one day when Goliath made that boast. He said, say he made his boast at the wrong time. <laughs> there had to be somebody there believe God. <laughs> yes, sir. Like to say the days of miracles is past. There's no such a thing as divine healing. Try to take it out of churches. The power of God. And these Pentecostal people's only excited. They made their boast one time too often. <laughs> That's right. That's right. They said, oh, it'll finally die down. Yeah, I know they said it'll die down. Uh-huh. Long time ago when the church first started... And uh, Wesley got all typed off there and all organized so the Spirit couldn't move in it. When they started out, they said, all oh, you people back there in your little alley somewhere back in a little bitty bunch, but they, they'll never amount to anything, but they forgot Samson's hair has grown out now. <laughs> That's right. Something's changed. The colors have changed. That's right. I said, oh, it'll soon burn up. There's nothing to it. It'll soon fan away. Listen, brother or sister. That's right. When you back under a while ago when some of you fellows out on the street corner there with an old guitar paving the way for these kind of meetings, back there at the church, every famous picture must first go through the hall of critics before it can be hung in the hall of fame. And I'll tell you that's what the church has done today. It's went through the critics. But one of these mornings, God's going to hang her in the hall of fame out there in the shores of the world. That great redeemed church sprinkled of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ symbol of the dove that was turned loose with blood upon her wings that cried holy, holy, holy unto the Lord when she passed across that symbol of leprosy which was a type of sin that same church is going to be caught up one of these mornings hung in the hall of fame as she's tucked through the air on her hallelujah God keeps his word God come out and said say anybody want to fight David said well who's that guy <laughs> Said, oh, he's a Philistine. He's a warrior. He's a great guy. He's got us all bluffed around here. He said, do you mean to tell me that you let that uncircumcised Philistine stand there and defy the armies of the living God? Why? He said, shame on you. He said, I'll go find him. Oh, he said, boy, run on back and take care of your sheep. <laughs> Why, my? He said, I'll never stand and let that be like that. 
So they took him up to Saul, and Saul was seven foot, you know, so great big fellow standing there. He said, Now look, son, I admire your courage, but he said, That man is a, is a warrior from his birth, and you're nothing but a youth. Why, you couldn't fight that man. Now, like the little Davy, you know what he's talking about. He had a witness. He had a testimony. He said, your servant was herding sheep out there one day, and a lion come in and grabbed the kid and run off with it. And I went and caught him by the beard, tuck it out of his mouth. He said, a, a bear caught a lamb, started away with it, and I slew him. He said, and the same God that delivered me out of the paws of the bear and out of the mouth of the lion will deliver me from that uncircumcised Philistine. Hallelujah. He knew what he was talking about. Hallelujah. Brother, the same Holy Ghost that give me eternal life will heal me when I'm sick. It'll take me to rapture. Hallelujah. God's just as much in His Word on divine healing as His own salvation. If the world's walking at divine healing, why do you care? They're walking the Holy Ghost you and you know you got it. God's in His Word. Sure is in His Word. He said, that uncircumcised Philistine. Now I want you to watch how a man that gets away from God like Saul did. He said, come here then. I'm going to give you five years in the cemetery, a seminary, both the same place. Bunch of dead people. I always feel sorry for a seminary. Well, maybe I better not say that. I always think about a seminary preacher like an incubator chicken. He just chirp, 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 ain't got no mammy to go to. Brother, <laughs> I don't care how much theology you learn unless you're born again, you're lost. Hallelujah. Right. It's the truth. You've got to know of God by an experience of being born again. That uncircumcised Philistine, he might have been religious. But, brother, there's a whole lot of difference between being religious and being even fundamental and being born again. Ah. So Saul said, looky here, I'll put my armor on you. So could you imagine little David with his shoulders about like that, with these big armors sticking out about like this, armor of nail. He put it on him. He said, take the thing off. <laughs> I can't go like that. And when they tie you all down to this kind of religion, you must say, oh man, this way, and you must do this way, and make your vows like that. Saul found out that his great big old ecclesiastical vest didn't fit a man of God. It never does. No, sir. A man of God will go in the power of the Spirit. I don't care what the church does. He always will. Yes, sir. He found out that clergy vest didn't fit him. That's right. He said, take the thing off. I've never proved it. I don't know nothing about it. That's why you don't know nothing about your big words and how to form your this, that, and that and repeat the doxology and say amen like a calf dying with the cramps. But I'm telling you, brother, what we need tonight is a man's got an experience and knows what he's talking about. He's got power, God, who can back it up. Amen. Excuse me, I'm not supposed to put my foot up on there, but I feel good. All right. Let me tell you, brother, God is in His Word. He keeps His Word. He sure does. I can see that little David. My, my. He said, well, how are you going to go out there and fight that fella? Look at him out there. He said, well, I'm going to trust God. God's done promised it, and I don't know how he's going to make the way, but I'm going. <laughs> he went out to meet this big Goliath. And here he come, then he threw off the old vest, and that's where it is today. You can't wait till you go through and take 10 years of college and 10 years of this and get your bachelor's degree and all these DDDD. DD stands for dead dog anyhow, so just let the thing go. Come on, preach the gospel. Hallelujah. Here he comes along. Here he comes out there, you know. 
and he goes out to meet old Goliath. And first thing old Goliath looked at him and said, Well, who's this little shrimp coming? And he walked out of there. That's where it was. When I first started a few years ago, although I met a bunch of fanatics as far, that's true. But let me tell you something, brother. There's a real genuine article behind it. All the power of God. They said, you can't prove divine healing and no such a thing as that. And all like this said, the opposition is too great and things like that. But who is that uncircumcised Philistine who will challenge the Word of God? That's right. Who is he? All right, there's having a time of it. Little old David picked up that slingshot said, I know what this thing will do. <laughs> I've tried it. Now, brother, I don't want none of your seminaries experience. I don't want none of your this or that or that. Or, but the thing I want, the same baptism of the Holy Ghost that saved me and raised me up, that same Holy Ghost will take me out of Hallelujah! That's what I want to know. Paul said, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. When he calls, I'll come out from among the dead. That's the main thing, in the power of his resurrection. Not some fundamental doctrine of something. No, that's all right, brother, but this truth without the Spirit is dead. Right. You've got to have spirit behind it. That's true. Abraham believed God, but God gave him the circumcision as a seal. And the seal of the promise that you do believe God, God gives you the Holy Ghost as a seal as a proof that you do believe Him. And if you people get all the superstitions away from your mind right now, God will seal you into His kingdom by His Holy Ghost. Amen. What's that? That's God's Word. He said He would do it. He said He would do it. Oh, my, I feel religious tonight. Let me tell you something, brother. That's, I see David and reached down there and he picked up, crossed a little creek and picked up five rocks. Well, I said, do you mean to tell me you come? said, why, this day? He said, you know what I'm going to do? He said, I'll take you into my spear and I'll hang you up and let the birds eat your flesh. That didn't startle that little fella. You know what thus saith the Lord, man. Walked on over there, you know, he was uncircumcised. He didn't know what he's talking about. God promised to take their part, and he believed he'd do it. God promised to heal her sickness, I believe him. God promised to give us the Holy Ghost, I believe him. God promised he's going to take us to glory, I believe it. That settles. It's in God's Word, and I believe it. That's all, and God's in his Word. He always confirms it. Then the first thing you know, I noticed, and here come this guy, I said, I'll do all this to you, make this big boast. Look at little David. He said, you meet me as a Philistine with an armor and with a spear, but I meet you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. <laughs> There's some different. Hallelujah. Said, this day I'll cut your head from your shoulders. <laughs> oh, what a blow for a little bitty boy. He said, I'll show you. Now imagine he gritted his teeth and here he comes. And little David now, five rocks. J-E-S-U-S. In a slingshot. Round in five fingers. F-A-I-T-H. Faith in Jesus. Here he comes. <laughs> Brother, away he went. He swung that stone and killed that giant. Hallelujah. And what did he do? While the rest of them took courage and pulled their swords and cut Philistines come to the walls. <laughs> what we need today is one man or one woman like David who will take God at his word and stand out there. Believe it. God's in his universe. God is in His Word. God's in His people. Do you believe it? Oh, He is. Yes, sir, He is. God's always been in His people. There was an old prophet by the name of Elijah died back under. How well we could go with the Word and take the Word for hour after hour. How well we could take the universe and carry on that one subject the rest of the night. But let's get down here to a close for a minute. Look here now. We got Him in His Word. We see Him back under His, his universe. We see Him now in His universe. We see Him in His Word. And now watch Him in His Son, or in His Word. First, before we get finished with His Word, I want to bring this. 
how God is in His universe, God in His Word, and God is in His Son. Do you believe that? God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. Exactly. When he was, now, He was more than a philosopher. Some people said, oh, He was a teacher, that Christian science idea. He was a teacher. He was a good man. He was either God or He was a deceiver. That's right. He was God Emmanuel. God made manifest in the flesh and dwelt among us. The Bible said that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. That's exactly what it was. Back down to the beginning, let's take a little trip to see who He was and you can find out whether God was in His Son or not. Let's close our eyes as it was and take a trip a hundred million years before there's ever a star in the sky. There was God. God was there then. And now look in the beginning, now I see that great space shunner, and then the Logos went out of God, which was the, the Christ, the anointing, that went out. And now no man was standing on a banister watching the creation come into existence and see whether it was in his son now. And there he'd come out, there was nothing. And then here come the Logos. That looks like a halo hanging out there. No man has seen God at any time now, eye to eye. And here's the Logos. Looks like it's a supernatural being. It's a halo. That's the Son of God. Not eternal sonship, because the words don't go good together. That's Catholic doctrine. But eternal, how could it be a sonship and be eternal? If it's a son, it had to have a beginning of time. Eternal's forever, see? So eternal sonship is no such a word to make that sensible. But it was the Logos that went out of God. And there he was playing out there in space, just like a child before the door. I can see him draw the whole picture in his mind of the kingdom and what it might be. And then the first thing you know, I hear him say, Let there be light. And when he did, an atom broke out and the sun come into existence. I watched that sun burn for millions of years. The first thing you know, <coughs> went a clanker. He stood and watched it. And if you fell for a few million years, he stopped it. Then another one flew. And he stopped it. Water was put in the solar system. He was writing his first Bible. The first Bible was written in the skies. Man looked up, knowing that God was above. Look at the zodiac. It starts off with a virgin, ends up with Leo the Lion. The first coming and the second coming of Christ. Everything in the heavens declares Him. Everything in the earth declares Him. Everything around declares Him. His people declares Him. His power declares Himself. His Son declared Him. Now look at Him back there. There He was standing there. And then after He got the... Then this, after all the clinkers that went off, the stars and meters were made, I can see this Logos go over and hang over this earth, brew over it, bring it back here around this sun and begin to break up the ice around it. The great big icebergs begin to come down. Texas and Oklahoma was formed. She run into the Gulf of Mexico down there. He was making the ditches and the plains and whatever he made. Vegetation and things would come up after a while. Then after it all got melted and the ice run out and made water, then now we're in Genesis 1. You can take up from right there. Genesis 1, there was without form and void, and the Spirit of God moved up on the water. Is that right? In the beginning. Now he separated the water, brought up the vegetation and everything, and when he made everything that looked nice and good to him, now he said, let us, plural, make man, plural, in our own image. What was he? There is a supernatural being. There is one that could not be seen. God the Father never was seen, never will be seen. He's all nature. And there he is. And now here's the Son, which is the Logos that went out of him, made in his image a supernatural being that went out in the beginning. Let us make man in our own image. And if he made a man in his own image, he made a supernatural being. Yes, indeed. Genesis 1, 28, read and see if that isn't right. And then when he made man in his own image, he had ruler over the beast. He led the beast around then like the Holy Spirit is supposed to lead the church today. That's right. 
He led the church around it. Then he said, there's no man to till the soil. So he created man out of the dust of the earth. Now he might have given him a hand like a monkey and a foot like a bear. I don't know what he did, but he put him in five senses. And he put this supernatural being, which was called man, the third person of the Trinity, Holy Spirit, into mankind. That's exactly right. That man, and he made his own image. And he went around, then he made him a helpmate. And the first thing you know, sin came into the world. And I can look at all of that that morning when God stood there before Adam and Eve. And when they sinned, of course, they tried to make themselves a religion and dodge around. But it wouldn't do no good. God said, where are you, Adam? And Adam answered, and he's covered up with fig leaves, but his fig leaf religion didn't do any good. That's right. So then when the first thing you know, God went out and got some skins. In order to get skins, he had to kill something. And he had to kill something to make a religion. And brother, your old cold formal creeds ain't going to do you any good. God killed something on Calvary's own son to cover up sin. And could you imagine God throwing back in them bushes there an old pair of bloody sheepskins. Here comes the most beautiful woman ever lived in the face of the earth. Wrapped up her blonde hair hanging down her, her back like this. Didn't even know she was naked before. With this old bloody sheepskin around her, the blood running down her. Her beautiful form. And here come Adam the same way. His big manly shoulders and this sheepskin around him. He was... Couldn't stand no more naked. He was in shame. I got my idea what it was. You can have yours. But all right. Just the same they had sinned and had separated themselves from God. And there they stood there before God. And now look. He said, Adam, because you listened to your wife instead of God, I'll tuck you from the dust and dust thou shalt return. He said, Cursed be the ground for you, creepers and thorns and so forth will grow up. And all the days of your life you'll learn your living by the sweat of your brow. Then he said to Eve, because you listened to the serpent instead of to your husband, you brought, took life out of the world, you'll bring life into the world and multiply your sorrows, your desire shall be to your husband, and so forth. He said, serpent, now he wasn't a reptile then, he was the most subtle of all the beasts of the field. And he said, cursed is you. And he took his legs from him and up on his belly he'd go all the days of his life. Dust should be his meat and he'd be hated. That's where he is today. But then when I see when poor little Eve looked over in the face of Adam and knew that she was the cause of the fall of the human race, she threw her arms around and Adam was not deceived, the Bible said. He walked out with both eyes open. Eve was deceived. So he walked out, he seen it. He wasn't deceived, so his wife was turned and he put his arms around her. And listen, I can hear him as they start going out. Clump, clump, what is it? Bloody sheepskins beating them against the legs. God! That old universe, I can see it begin to come down like a funnel. Come down to one little thing with four letters, L-O-V-E. He just couldn't see him. He loved him so well too, he couldn't see him go. And he said he put enmity between her seed and the serpent's seed. And that same clumping of them sheepskins, that bloody beating against Eve and Adam as they went out of the Garden of Eden, them same blood of the Son of God beat against his Legs as he went Calvary on her with our sins upon him and the blood beating from his body carrying up on her into Calvary. Do you believe that? God was in his Son. He was God. Now look, when man was made in the image of God, he did not fall. When he was made in the image of man, he fell. When he was made in the image of beast or out of the dust of the earth, that's where he fell. Then in order... To be uh, the only way that God could do, if Christ was an individual man different from God, then God was not just. 
It wouldn't be right for me to send my son to pay a penalty of some penalty I'd put on somebody else. If I said, whosoever looks at that will die. And then first thing you know, Brother Beeler would ever look at it. I'd say, Brother Wood, you take his place. I wouldn't be just. If I'd say, Billy Paul, come down here and take his place, I wouldn't be just. If I'd say to my wife, take his place, I still wouldn't be just. And God is sovereign and just. And the only just way I could reconcile that man would be me take his place myself. That's right. And God came down as man was made in the image of God. Then God came down in the image of man in Christ Jesus and dwelled in that tabernacle of flesh and took the sinner's place and died the death and paid the penalty, redeeming us from sin. Hallelujah. God was in His Son, reconciling the world to Himself. You believe that? God's in His universe. God is in His Word. God is in His Son. Now let's see if God... When he was here on earth, he said it was his son. Yes, sir. When he was here on earth, he said he was God. He looked like God. He acted like God. He healed like God. He died like God. He rose like God. He was God. God the Son. When God the Father came down and dwelt in his Son, Christ Jesus, and they in unity were one. That's what they was. That was God speaking. As I said the other night, when God was out there on the ship that night, the woman said... Why was that little old boat tossed around like that? It was the man that was sleepy. But it was God who could stop the waves. It was the man who cried going to Lazarus' grave. But it was God who raised the dead. The man Christ Jesus cried. He was a man. But God that was in him could speak to the dead and it lived again. The man that was in Christ Jesus himself, he could hunger and want for something to eat around that tree. But the God-man was in him could take five biscuits and feed five thousand. God was in his son. Reconcile the world to himself. He's not going to let nobody tell you he's a philosopher. He's a good man. He was a prophet. He was God. That's exactly who he was. I believe in his deity straightly. And I notice, then again, I want you to see God in his people. Oh, my. I think of the old prophet Elijah. After he had done, died. And his soul or his spirit had left the body. They had a dead man one day packing him along. And they laid this dead man on his body, and the dead man come to life. Not because it was Elijah, but because God was still there. It was, it was Elijah who that day when the little baby got sick, that Elijah took his own body and laid upon the dead baby, and he come to life. Is that right? It was God and his people when they come back there on the day of Pentecost, and 120 had gathered in the upper room. And they were so scared they kept the doors fast and the curtains pulled down. But when God had been on the outside, but when there come a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind and filled all the house where they were sitting, cloven tongues set upon them like fire, God was in His people and out into the streets they went brazing, full of the Spirit. God's in His people yet tonight. The same Jesus was then. Here a few minutes ago, you were sitting, when we all first came up, you were sitting here looking at one another, and then about five minutes later, you were screaming and shouting, some of you crying and wiping tears in your eyes and shaking your hands. What was it? God come among His people. God's here. On the day of Pentecost, when they went out and done signs and wonders, there was a man named Paul, had so much God in him, he took a handkerchief off his body and sent it to a sick person, he got well. God's in His people. Yes, sir. There was a man named Peter. Couldn't even write his own name or read it if his name before him. The Bible said he was ignorant and unlearned. He didn't have any bachelor's degree. <laughs> so ignorant he didn't even know his own name. 
The Bible says he was ignorant and unlearned. He passed through the gate called Beautiful. He said, Silver and gold have I none. He showed the holiness preacher. He said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. I'd rather have got him in all the silver and gold in the world. Yes, sir. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. Put his big hands up on him and said, In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And the man that had been lame in his feet from his birth began to straighten his feet out, leaping and jumping and running to the temple, praising God. Hallelujah! That's what the Bible says. God was in his son. God was in his people. That same old fisherman down there when he's converted, that old greasy fish apron around him, hollering fish, uh, maybe half a shilling for a bushel of them. When he was going along there, when he got his heart right with God, that people seen God moving in that man when old Ananias and Sapphira come out there and the Spirit of God struck him dead. And they seen he was a prophet. They knowed he was of God. To even that old fisherman, now ignorant and unlearned, his shadow passed over the people and everyone that passed over got well because they believed God. God's in His people. Do you believe it? Oh, God, be merciful, friend. God is here tonight. God's Spirit's are moving on the people. God wants His people to believe Him. God sends His message. He sends His servants. Look here night after night how the Holy Spirit moves around over this audience, calling people, speaking to them, healing the blind, healing the sick, healing the paralyzed. Look across. Look here at Florence Nightingale. How she was healed there. You heard that story. And all about how congressmen, many, many hundreds and hundreds of people have been healed everywhere. God among His people. How the people's come out of this old ruts of life and come out and receive the Holy Spirit. Been born again. God working among His people. There's people that says it's nonsense. The Bible said they'd be here having a form of godliness but would deny the power thereof from such turn away. God's still moving among His people. Yes, sir. I want to get on that Sunday afternoon if the Lord willing. All right. Now, God is here tonight. And some of you say, Well, uh, Brother Branham, if I'd ever get saved, you mean to tell me that I'd have to, would have to join up with you? I don't have to join one thing. The only thing you have to do is get saved. God takes care of the rest of it. Well, a woman told me some time ago, she said, Well, Reverend Branham, she said, I believe you, but I never among my, I number myself among that bunch of illiterate holy rollers. <laughs> I said, lady, you reminds me of an old colored man down south one time. He was always happy and singing. His boss said, what are you so happy about? Rastus, he said, I've got old-time religion. He said, heartfelt religion. He said, there is no such a thing. He said, boss, you made one mistake. You can say there is no such a thing as far as you know. <laughs> but said, I know different. He one day, it was raining. He said, say, Rastus, can I get that heartfelt religion? He said, yes, sir. He said, I like to be happy like you all the time singing. He said, I like to have that heartfelt religion. He said, well, you can get it, boss. said, it's for you. He said, well, where can we get it? He said, anytime you want to get it. He said, well, come on. So the boss led him over to the corn crib. Over there he had some hay laying out. He said, this is an, I mean, sacks. He said, this is a nice place. He said, it don't come here, boss. He said, all right. He took him up in the hay loft. And it's nice and up there. So now it's raining outside. He said, maybe we'll get right down here. Maybe he'll come and give me a heartfelt religion here. He said, no, boss. It don't come here. He said, well, tell me where it comes. He said, come on, follow me. He walked out in the pig pen, mud up to his knees. He said, come on, boss, right here where it comes from. He said, well, I don't want it out there. He said, you won't get it until you're willing to get it any way God sends it. Amen. Right. You take God's terms. You meet His terms, not your terms. God ain't obligated to meet your terms, but you are to His terms. 
That's right. I'll take the way with the Lord's despised few. I've started in with Jesus. Oh, Lord, take me through. And I stood down there not long ago. Say, well, at last? Yes, sir. I stood there with my own baby about 14 years ago, 15. My only little baby, six months old, was praying for it. And it died and went out from under my arms. I was walking up the road, lost my father, my brother, and my wife. You know my story. Just because that I wouldn't hook myself up with you people. My mother-in-law said that we were too good to be with such people. Said they were nothing but a bunch of backwash. And I come to find out what she called backwash is the cream of the crop. And I say that with respect. That's exactly right. I'll say that with respect now to other churches. But I'll tell you, brother, I will save that for some other time. But let me tell you. That's true. And now I went up the road, walking along up the road, I'd receive the Holy Ghost crying. Going up the road, and Mr. Isler, the state senator of Indiana, come put his arm around me, stopped his car and jumped out. Bless his heart. Put his arm around me and said, Billy, what about that Holy Ghost religion now? I said, it's just as good right now as it ever was, even better. Hallelujah. I said, do you still believe him? I said, how could I keep from believing him? He's a part of me, and I'm a part of him. I couldn't deny myself. He's part of me. And that's what he is. All oh, the people want to go to heaven on a flower bed of ease while others fought to win the prize and sail through bloody seas. No, I must fight if I must reign. Increase my courage, Lord, and support me by thy word. That's right. Let me take the way with the Lord's despise you. Oh, when they returned back rejoicing because they counted, they were happy because they could bear the reproach of his holy name. Not long ago, I remember a little old woman, girl out in the country, she went away, went over to the city to go to school. You know, she was going to learn a whole lot of things. Her brother went away to be a doctor. It was a very strange affair. Her old mother got sick while the doctor was away. And, and so the doctor, or it was, I beg your pardon, he didn't go to be a doctor. He wanted to get his degree of doctor. And when he... She got sick and she called for the doctor and the doctor couldn't do nothing for her. She had pneumonia. She thought she was going to die. So there was a woman down in the city that had a, a, went to a full gospel church and she come up there and she said, Lady, said, do you believe in praying for the sick? I said, well, I never heard nothing about it. I said, do you believe in divine healing? I said, well, our pastor never says nothing about it. I said, well, uh, our pastor believes in divine healing. I said, will you let him come up and pray? He said, well, I don't know. I said, is it in the Bible? So she turned over to Mark 16. She read it to her. These signs shall follow them that believe. They lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So the, the full gospel pastor come up and anointed her with oil and prayed for her. And the woman got well. So then when the boy come home, he said, uh, he said, uh, oh, he's just rejoicing with his mother. You know, he said, say, mother, said, you never did tell me how you got along. said, what kind of a drug did you take? She said, oh, Sonny, I'm so happy you mentioned that. He got his uh, degree from college and so forth. He's going to be a preacher. And he said, I'm so glad you mentioned that. She said, He's, uh, you know that little mission way downtown there? Down on, yes. Said, uh, that full gospel faith said, that preacher come up and read the Bible of Mark 16 and said, he anointed me with oil and prayed for me and said, and you know the Lord healed me? He said, oh, mother. Said the very idea. Said, well, you know, that's not right. Oh, she said, honey, it's in the Bible. Said, Mark 16, he read it. She said, he said, Mother, we learned over at the college that Mark 16 from the ninth verse on is not inspired. The little mother said, Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. And he said, 
Why, Mother, why ridiculous, what's happened to you? She said, Honey, I was just thinking, if you say Mark 16 is not inspired, said, No, no, it's not. said, If God could heal me with uninspired word, what could he do with that's inspired? Said, if he could do that, what would he do with that was inspired? That's right. If uninspired word will do the well, what will that which really is inspired? What would Mark 11 24 do? <laughs> what would that do? Oh my, sure, God is here and He's with us. A little lady who runs off to school one time, she was like, but some amount of people don't like to bear the cross. Listen, friends, you must be willing to serve Christ. You must be willing to whatever it is, lay aside every weight that does easily beset you and run the, the race with patience. This morning, early going in, I was going down the road talking to my little wife back there. I just couldn't. I was holding the wheel, just the tears rolling down my cheeks. I couldn't help it. I thought, seeing that we were compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every sin and the, or every weight in the sin that says easily beset us. We're running a race now with patience, looking to the author of our faith, looking back there how they was tormented and made fun of and scoffed and, and sawed asunder and wandered about in sheepskin and goatskins and deserts and destitute and afflicted. Oh, my! The Bible said, Of whom the world is not even worthy of such a people. All of those. And there and said, Now let us look to the author of our faith, who come down the God of glory, representing himself with the holy rollers. Right? That's what Paul said in the way that's called heresy, crazy. See? So worship I the God of our fathers. He's willing to take the way as a proud Pharisee. He come in to take his way with the Lord's despised few. A little lady went away to college here not long ago. And when she'd come home, she'd learned so much. She used to go to church. But when she'd come back, she just knew so much she didn't want. Oh, she was just a smart aleck. That's about what the whole lot of it learns, too. So when she'd come back, she brought a little girl home with her. And her mother was standing out on the ramp of the, to meet her. And when the car stopped and this young little smart aleck was with her, looked over there and she said, Oh, look at that horrible old wretch. And the little Mary was ashamed to admit that was her mother. She said, yes, she looks awful, doesn't she? And she turned her back and walked away. And so when she got off the train, her mother looked and she recognized her daughter. And she ran through her arms and I said, darling, her face was all drawn, her hands all drawn down. And she was all like that. And she said, darling, kiss me, kiss me. And she was trying to kiss her daughter. And her daughter turned her back and walked away ashamed. Her own mother. And the conductor, which knew the case, walked up and grabbed that young woman and shook her and said, Ain't you ashamed of yourself? Said, Your mother was beautiful one time. And when you was a little baby up in the upstairs, the house caught fire. And they said, Let it alone. And you were burning up in that house. And your mother, taking no thought of her own beauty, she run into that room as hard as she could, jerked her own clothes from her body, wrapped you up in it, and brought you out. And she scorched and burned herself like that. Said, because you're pretty today is because she was made ugly back there so you could be pretty. Said, shame on you. Now think of that today, brother, when Jesus is willing the Son of God to come from the ivory palaces of glory down here and take a disgraceful name and humiliate himself in human flesh and be called a holy roller, a religious fanatic, and walk up there and bleed and die as a curse on a tree, and you're ashamed. God, have mercy on the people. Have mercy, and you're ashamed to connect yourself with his people. 
If you're not born again, why not come and accept Him now? I wish the lady would go to the piano while we bow our heads. Think it over. Through His humiliation, God made flesh. How can you reject such love? God came down, made Himself a man, called a fanatic, a devil, beaten, bruised for your sins. And here you sit tonight watching Him in His universe, watching Him preached in His Word, see His power moving among the people, seeing Him in every way He can be, and then you're ashamed to take your stand for Him. When up Calvary, Golgotha's hill, He went, walking with an old rugged cross on his shoulders till it rubbed the blood and the bones sticking through. And a big fine church where he could have come and tuck over and been the king of the earth, but was humiliated for you. And then you're afraid of humiliation to claim him as your Savior. Think of it while we speak with him. Oh, Christ, the lovely one, the darling of God's bosom coming down from the ivory palaces of heaven, clothed in the form of sinful flesh, humiliated himself, born in a barn, in a stable. Why, Lord? Why? Because lambs are not born in houses. Lambs are born in barns. And they led him away to Calvary like a sheep to the slaughter. Led him like Abel led his lamb. And they led him away, humiliated. Looking back, seeing the people and them gambling and spitting on him, his face full of mockery spit. But he was willing to bear it all that we could be saved. And then we poor alienated Gentiles carried away with dumb idols and lust of the world, living here in this day just before He's coming, and then ashamed to take our way with the Lord's despise. God, if there be a sinner, man, or woman here tonight who has never been born again, may they be ashamed of the way they've treated you, caring more for the things of this world than they do for you, turning a cold shoulder to Christ. And here he is out here in this tree tonight. Here he is in the grass and the flowers. He's in his people. He's in his word. He comes in here in the form of an angel and moves over the audience, proving himself that he's the Son of Man that raised from the dead, doing the same things he did the days gone by. And man sitting here ashamed to take their way. Young women and young men thinking more of the things of this world than they do of God and not knowing that tomorrow morning God may call for their soul to answer a judgment. God be merciful. Help, dear God, and may cut real deep into the heart while we have our heads bowed. I just wonder, with every Christian praying, please, Aren't you kind of ashamed the way you've done him? What are you going to give in exchange that day? Is there a sinner here who raise up your hand and say, Brother Bram, I- I- I'm ashamed the way I've treated him. 
I, I want him to forgive me right now the way I've done him, and I, I want to accept him as my Savior. Would you raise your hands just now? God bless you, 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 all, all over the audience. Look, it may seem old-fashioned. John Wesley preached these services like this. Dwight Moody preached these services. Finney, Sankey, Knox, Calvin. We just got away from it, you see. We just went away from the old path, that's all. While us Christians are praying, if you've been here in these meetings and you believe that God sent me to these meetings and you appreciate Jesus Christ, you want to be saved. I wonder, while you're with your heads bowed, how many would come stand right here before me so I can lay hands on you and pray for you to be saved and won't accept Christ. Would you just raise up out of your seat and come while we keep our heads bowed and sing this song. And tenderly Jesus. God bless you, little lady. I've seen God dealing with you all along there. There's God bless you. Would someone else come down and stand by her side? Me sings on the portal. He's are you ashamed of him? Watching for you and for me. Come home. God bless you, lady. God bless you. Softly now, will you come? Center friend, make your way. Come here. I want to stand right here myself and pray with you. God, here's my prayer to... Open the eyes of the blind, the deaf. Just in prayer, surely your soul will be saved. Calling, calling, oh, sinner. God bless you, my brother. That's the way. Others are coming. Won't you come too, sinner friend? Should we tarry? God bless you, brother. Won't you raise up now and come? God bless you. Come right ahead, young man. You and for me. Why should we linger and heed not His mercy? Mercy. God bless you, my brother. God bless you, young man. Come home. Come home. Come home. God bless you, sister. That's the way to come. All broken up. Need to come back. Home. Time is now fleeting the moments. Way over there in another world someday, your soul goes out before I see you again. You remember this. Come for you and for me. Come home, come home, come home. You are weary. Come home. Jesus is calling. 
with your heads bowed, remember that some glorious day Jesus is coming, and now what if God calls your soul before you get a chance to make it right? Won't you come now? The despised and rejected one, are you going to put your mockery up on him by turning your back on his invitation tonight? Remember, you may do it the last time. My spirit will not always strive with man. And now this may be the time that God has called. I feel that somebody else should come to this. There's more sinners than that, surely, in this audience. Won't you come down here just a moment? Just stand here and say, I accept Christ. Come here and pray. And I'll stand right here and pray with you until God saves your soul from sin. I want those who are sinners to come. Let's try. How many knows the old song, Oh, Why Not Tonight? Give us a card of it, sister. You know what, do you? All right. Maybe. Uh, all right. Oh, why not tonight? Oh, why not tonight? Will I be saved? And why not tonight? tonight. Won't you come? Won't you come? The best thing is ever offered to you. Tonight. God bless you, lady, and you too. And why not tonight? Tomorrow the sun may never you bless thy long deliverance. I was there in a revival at a big Baptist church and was holding a meeting and I felt led in an altar call that night to walk back to a young lady. I'm just telling you this, I met her here not long ago. And I said, walk back to her and I said, Sister, I believe God is calling you tonight. She said, look here, Reverend Branham. She said, I know when God is calling. I said, all right, sister. I've just done all I can say. She's a fine young lady. This city there had a nice name and everything. And so I said, I feel... And I started walking back again. The Holy Spirit said, make that call again. I made it again. And I said, now, young lady, I said, I believe... She said, Reverend Branham, if I want somebody to talk to me about like that, I'll get somebody who's got some sense, not you. I said, very well. I have done all I can do. Remember, sister, you, if you blaspheme the Holy Ghost, you'll never be saved. And so I went outside the building that night, stood by the door, a beautiful young lady, and the roses was blooming around the door. I never forget the wind blowing the moonlight. She, she looked like an angel almost standing there. She is, yes, in her youth is 17, 18 years old. I said, she said, Reverend Branham, you embarrassed me in that church tonight. And said, I'll never forget that. I said, yes, I know you'll never forget it. You won't forget it. And about three or four years after that, I passed through the same city and was going down the street, and I looked, I was going down from the railroad yard, and I looked, a young lady passed by the street, her skirts hanging low, and I thought, that can't be that girl. And I started walking on. She looked back at me and just kept walking. I just walked along behind her. And she, first thing, she's waiting for me to catch up. She said, hello, preacher. Real slangy like, you know. And I said, well, I'll say. I said, you're the, she said, that's no more of that now. And so I walked down. She stopped there at a little place. She said, step in. I said, no, ma'am, thank you. And she said, well, won't you step into my apartment? Right in our red light district. And I said, no, 
No, I, I won't. Thank you. I said, uh, uh, girl, do you remember? She said, just a minute. She pulled out a cigarette and hit it like that. said, do you have a smoke? I said, do you know I'm a Christian? And she said, uh, she said, well, how would you like to have a little drink? She pulled out a bottle. I said, shame on you. You see, she said, wait just a minute. I'm going to leave you and I'm going in here. But said, do you remember that night, preacher, what you told me God has given me my last call? I said, yeah. She said, it's the truth. She said, it's your privilege to tell anywhere you want to. She said, but I'm lost forever. She said, my heart has become so black. Here's a remark she made. I could see my own mother's soul fry in hell like a pancake and laugh at it. That's the danger of rejecting Jesus Christ. Tomorrow, some other time. You get so hard and so callous, you don't want nothing about it. And that's what this world is today. It's getting so callous that don't want Christ. It's got so much luxury and things. Won't you come? I'm going to make this call one more time. Oh, why not tonight? Won't you do it? Will you come now while we make this call? Stand around the rest of these penitent sinners here. We're going to have prayer. Christ will receive them. All right. Oh, why not tonight? The world, right here. Souls come, young lady, just in the turning of life. God bless you. You're making the most gallant stand you ever did in your life. The good Lord bless you, my sister. Give you the desire of your heart, Christ, tonight to enthrone you and bless you through the ages to come. There's some more coming. I'm just waiting. I just can't hardly close this. I, I never act like this. Frankly, I never have an opportunity to make an altar call of this type. But just something has told me to do it. Last night was the same thing. God bless you, young lady. You're making the greatest stand you ever did in your life, sister. Giving up the things of the world coming to Jesus Christ. Wanting Him as personal Savior. Ten thousand worlds. Now, if you've judged right that I've told the truth, God has come here and vindicated it's the truth. I've told the truth. You believe the truth that I've preached tonight of God's right here in His universe, right here in His people, right here in His Word, right here among, among us tonight. Then God is here moving, talking to your heart. I wonder if there's a man or woman back there, a boy or girl, says, Brother Branham, I haven't got the courage to come like these other people. I just seem like I'm not made out of that kind of stuff with enough real man or woman about me to come. But I'll raise my hand and say, Brother Branham, pray for me that I'll not go to hell. I want to be saved. And you remember me in prayer. Will you raise your hand somewhere in the building? God bless you, brother. Or someone else, God bless you, little lady. All right, is there another? Say, God bless you up there, sir. You, you too. May God grant that the singes of hell will never come near you. May God grant it, my dear people. You have the opportunity now to come. Only thing you have to do is come here. I'll be responsible at the day of judgment if I haven't told you the truth that Christ will receive everyone that's standing here. That's right. These people coming here, not because they come here, because that they have acted in obedience. They could not come. And just think what an opportunity. I know of thousands of people tonight, friends, there is people that's in this world that God never will and never did knock at their heart and won't. And if God has knocked at your heart's door, you're privileged. You ought to come. This ought to be the time that you'd run quickly to the altar. You're invited to come to the king's palace tonight. Come into his loving care. Won't you do it? I'm offering you Christ Jesus. Now, while if you bow your heads just a moment, I want to instruct these who are standing here at the altar. Young men, young women. I stand as God's servant before you. I stand to declare the truth of God which is in Christ Jesus. 
You come because not of your own decision. You come because God knocked at your heart and told you to come and you followed Him. Now, Jesus said, He that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. There's only one thing in the world that you can do any farther than this right now is to believe the Lord right now. Believe that I've told you the truth. Jesus said, The Father drawed you here tonight. That's what... And He said, Now, He that comes, I won't cast out. You repent and tell God that you're sorry for your sins and accept Him as your Savior. Tell Him you're sorry the way you've treated Him. Some of you are just young children. Some of you are middle-aged. Some are old and gray-headed. And... God, tell him you're sorry for your sins and ask him to forgive you. And he's willing and wanting to do it right now. And then when you, that's the only thing you can do is believe him now. Now, when you bow your heads here, I want these people that stand at the altar to repeat this prayer after me while the rest of you keep your head bowed in the prayer. Now, I'm going to say the words, but now you mean them from your heart as you bow your heads now. Now, you just repeat after me. These here at the altar. Almighty God. I come before thee as a penitent soul. I am ashamed of my life. I am ashamed the way I've treated your beloved son. I've spurned his love. And I'm ashamed of it tonight. And will you receive me, Father, as your penitent child? I promise you tonight, I'll forsake sin, and I'll cleave to you as long as I live. Now, according to your word, and the word of your beloved Son, you promise not to cast me away, and you're my Father. I can't believe that you would do it. So upon the merits of Jesus Christ, I'm confessing my sin and accepting Him now as my personal Savior. God, keep me and help me to be a Christian and fill my life with the Holy Spirit that I might live above sin in this present world. In the hour of my death, receive my soul, Lord, into your kingdom. These things I ask in Jesus' name. And I accept it now as a finished work from Calvary. Amen. Now, raise your head. Do you now, each one of you here, but really from the depths of your heart, Believe that God has forgiven you your sins and you now accept Him as your Savior. If you do, raise up your hand as a witness. You, sister. Well, what about young man? Do you believe that God forgives you? Now you're each one of you Christians. Each one of you are God's children. If you'd have died back under five minutes ago, you'd have went to hell. If you die now, you'd go to heaven. Now I'll tell you what I want you to do. As my brother and sister, I love you with all my heart. But before you go to your seat, I wish we'd go across over there and have a word of prayer. Just kneel down and pray together. Would you do that with us? Would each one of you be glad to do that? Uh, some of the ministers will start right from the end there and let these all these here go right across while I'm making another call here. Right across over there, I want to go over there and pray with you. Now, walk right across. How many up there is happy? Now, turn around to this audience first before you go and say this as you turn around. I accept Jesus Christ. Repeat my words. 
I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I ask your prayers for me. Now, if you want or go to help him, pray and pray for him. Raise up your hand and say, I will. God bless you. Now, I want you to pray yourself personally to God, each one, as you go across. Everyone, go right across over there. I want to be with you in a few.